0: Are you a small advancement shop with less than 10 people in your team? Are you struggling to get your alumni to participate and give? AlmaBase is specifically built for you to grow alumni participation. Whether you're looking to increase alumni donations, volunteering, or participation in events, AlmaBase is a perfect fit. You can create a platform for your alumni to connect and network with each other, get their updated information from Facebook and LinkedIn, manage your event registrations, email marketing, mentorship, and much more. AlmaBase is a BlackBod technology partner and works seamlessly with your BlackBod systems. As an exclusive only for listeners of the Advancement Legends podcast, AlmaBase is offering a free consulting session to learn your challenges as a small shop and give you three ideas from similar schools that you can implement immediately. Visit AlmaBase.com and mention that you heard about them on the Advancement Legends podcast. Hey, this is Stephen App, host of the Hashtag HigherEd
1: Podcast, part of the Connect EDU Podcast Network. You're listening to Advancement Legends, the career stories of engagement and fundraising professionals in higher education. And now, here's Ryan with today's show. Hey listeners, welcome back to the Advancement Legends Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Catherwood. This podcast is part of the new ConnectEDU network of higher ed podcasts. You can check them all out at connectedu.network. On this week's show, you'll hear my interview with Joe Baker, Chief Advancement Officer at Calvert Hall College High School, an all boys Catholic independent school in Baltimore, Maryland. Joe has spent his entire career dedicated to Calvert Hall, his alma mater, first as a math teacher then as assistant principal, before taking on the advancement role more than 30 years after he began at Calvert Hall. Hear Joe's remarkable career story and what it's been like building on the program's successes. This episode is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Almabase, and is part of our small shop series. Thanks to Kalyan Varma and his colleagues at Almabase for their support. Now for my interview with Joe Baker. Joe Baker, thank you so much for joining me on the Advancement Legends podcast. It's great to speak with you. My pleasure, Ryan. Joe, uh, you know, normally on the podcast, we go back to your college age self. But we're going to do things a little bit differently today, uh, going back just a little bit further, because last week we had a, an advancement professional on the show from the American School in Paris, which was, of course, an independent high school And this week, of course, you are the the chief advancement officer at Calvert Hall College High School as well, which is a private boys prep school located near Baltimore. Uh, So I'd love to go back to sort of your early days and talk about your high school experience and what it was like to be a student at your alma mater.
2: Oh, sure. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. I really enjoy being part of it. I'm an older guy. I graduated from Calvert Hall in 1976. Just had an awesome experience here. Just uh really, really strong teachers, people who had been here for you know, were dedicated, been here for a while and uh I was a, a pretty good math student, had had outstanding math teachers here. I, I helped out managing basketball and stuff and uh just had a lot of fun with that. And then when I went to college I was I was a math major and um, and helped out the basketball program there, came back to Calvert Hall to teach math and coach some basketball. So that's how it all got started. But it was really about having uh going to school with good guys. Uh, they were really enthusiastic, enjoying my time here and having having great teachers.
1: And going to sort of a, a private high school, was that something that was kind of the plan all along, or did you go there? It looks like you went there for all four years of high school. Sure. Were there any traditions in your family of going well, to? Well,
2: kind of, kind of interesting. So, it's, uh, Coward Hall a Catholic school, and I had gone to a—I lived very close by, grew up very close by the school, but I had gone to the the local uh, Catholic grade school, Heart of Mary, and— uh, my friends uh, came to Calvert Hall. My my four uncles had gone to the Archrival, Loyola High School, which is a Jesuit school. But uh somehow along the way I, I wanted to come to Calvert Hall. My parents really liked Catholic education and uh, so I had that great experience here and then I, I moved on to Loyola College now uh, Loyola University after that so I I did uh, you know sixteen years of Catholic education. Well what was it about I guess first of all the, the Catholic education there at Calvert Hall
1: and then Loyola, Maryland that really sort of stood out for you in terms of well, the the, the
2: life. Yeah, I just think. That, that in those places and and you get good people going there. So you're going to you're going to a school with uh, with kids that are very similarly minded to you or have the same interests that kind of thing. Even though each person's an individual, but I would say that the factor about those schools are that one they're teaching the whole person. So it's not just about the academic subjects. It's about the values. It's about learning to care for others, etc. So you're picking up a much broader education than just the academics. And then it, it really is about the teachers. So that the teachers at both Calvert Hall and Loyola were outstanding from a technical point of view. My my uh, math teachers were just awesome at both places. And I, for example, also had taken some Spanish at, at Calvert Hall. And, you know, I was just really well taught and it made a difference in my career. Also that um, they took a personal interest to you. Your teachers knew who you were. They knew you by name. They knew what you did outside the classroom. So that whole personal interaction and that teaching the whole person was really the, the best part of those, those experiences.
1: Yeah. So
2: you, you graduated
1: from high school, you went to Loyola University Maryland with the intentions of being a, a math major, a poli-sci major, and then you, you sort of immediately went to, to graduate school still at, at Loyola. What, what were you thinking as you were approaching graduation? Were you imagining being a teacher?
2: Well, you know, I, I kind of uh, thought about doing some sort of math jobs because of, I was a little bit ahead in math. A lot of my good friends at Loyola had already left and uh, moved on to... to uh, Jobs, they were working like a systems analyst and mathematicians. But I also liked, you know, my Calvert Hall experience and my teachers. And I could see that my teachers at Calvert Hall were having a fun time all, all the time. You know, they were having a fun time doing what they were doing. So I kind of made my mind in midway through my senior year that I, w- I wanted to try to teach. And uh, very fortunate that a spot opened up for me. So I, I began teaching here the September after I graduated from college. That's amazing. And
1: so you were a, a math instructor for 21 years. Correct. And um, obviously that was a, a huge part of your, of your life. Tell me, um, what were some of the, the... Would you reflect back on your experience as a math teacher, some of the stories that really stand out?
2: Well, I just think I try to make math... I like math. I like, the, I like solving problems. I try, try to figure out what's going on, that kind of stuff. But I, I really enjoyed working with the students, and, and I uh, was very fortunate to teach the, the very best students in the school. And I was also very fortunate to teach the students that you know, didn't find math the easiest topic. So what I really worked on was trying to make math understandable to everybody. And, and I do that a lot through, um, you know, kind of like connecting math to real life. Instead of adding X's and X's, I'm, I'm, I'm adding apples and apples. And I'm, I'm trying to make it probably too simple. And sometimes I make it kind of humorous. But I think uh, it was fun trying to uh, make something that people often think is ununderstandable, uh, understandable for everybody.
1: Right. Yeah, that's great. So your career progressed. Of course, you were a leader at Calvert Hall College High School, and then you had the opportunity to be an assistant principal. Tell me about how that transition occurred.
2: So we had a transition in uh, the principal's position, and uh, the, a guy who had been there a long time, who I knew well, had became the principal, and he had been the assistant principal for academic affairs. And uh, I actually had applied for a different position I had applied to be the director of the honors program, and uh he reached out to me and asked me to apply for the academic assistant principal's position so uh he was very kind to give me that opportunity and it was uh it was really a neat transition for me uh I'm working with kids a lot individually on helping them I was able to translate not always just the math but you know my my ability to try to help kids to to work through difficulties and, and make subjects more uh, approachable for them. Also, as part of that job, was uh, doing the master schedule of the school, which may have been one of the reasons I got picked for that job because <laughs> it was. Uh, we have a very intricate schedule. Kids run. There's 1,200 students here running over probably 900 different schedules, and uh, kids have different schedules every day. So uh, we had a good program, computer program to work with. But uh, I, I became kind of well known for the, my ability to. To put the schedules together, and, and particularly for students trying to do very difficult scheduling things, find a way for that, that to make it happen. So it was it was kind of good fun, and, and I spent thirteen years in that position, working with with students, their parents, guidance counselors to try you know try to have kids have the best experience here at Calvert Hall.
1: Yeah. So assistant principal for academic affairs. Were there other assistant principals for other aspects have, of the school?
2: So really, we have two assistant principals. So the academic affairs, I was responsible for teachers, guidance, scheduling. Uh, actually, enrollment recruiting kids, that kind of stuff, and then the other assistant principal was a little bit of discipline, student activities, social events, that kind of stuff I see okay, so there was a bit of a
1: delineation of labor there and along Absolutely. the way and along the way, you were involved with the uh the
2: basketball team, is that right yeah so i, I uh most of my probably about twenty five years that I, of my time here was spent with basketball, so i when I first came in, I was assistant coach for uh, four years on the varsity, and then I was actually the head coach for nine years in the Baltimore Catholic League. Really, we had a great tradition of basketball here at Calvert Hall. We had a, it's, a, it's very competitive in the Baltimore area. So, it was nine years as the assistant coach. I mean, head coach of varsity basketball, and then I did another, I think, ten-year run or twelve-year run as the varsity assistant a little bit later. So, uh, still work the. Uh, don't I'm not an assistant coach anymore. We still have a summer basketball camp. I still work the basketball camp. I just had a. A great, basketball has been a really great part of my life in terms of meeting people in Sutter when I've traveled to coach uh, camps and traveled overseas to coach a little bit. And so it's, uh, it's just another form of teaching. And, and, the, and the best part of that, just like the math and, and the other things that I've done, is really about the interactions with the students.
1: Now, here's a word from our presenting sponsor, AlmaBase. Here's co-founder Kalyan Varma. Small shops are unique. By definition, they're always resource constrained, and their challenges are unique as well. So interestingly, most of the content that gets published, even speakers at conferences, are mostly from large universities, and a lot of the ideas that get presented are not suitable for small shops. Having worked with hundreds of institutions like this, ranging from K-12 schools to liberal arts colleges to small universities, We have a team of small shop experts that can help you with the right ideas. Whether you're just starting your alumni program and want to build an alumni database, or you have an existing program and want to increase participation, AlmaBase can help you succeed without increasing resources.
0: To learn more and increase your alumni participation rates, visit almabase.com. Be sure to mention that you heard about AlmaBase through the Advancement Legends podcast.
1: Examining your sort of professional trajectory, you would imagine that, uh, of course, the plan is eventually to become the, the principal of the school, at least on paper. But um, about four years ago, you took a, a down a different path towards the advanced building. I, well, let me ask this you became the, the chief advancement officer and the director. Were you the first person to have that
2: role at Calvert Hall College? Oh, no, no. We probably started getting an advancement program going. Maybe mid-80s, uh, pretty small. I think we started with, with one Christian brother. We're a Christian brother school. Then we went to a director's small office. and yeah, We've probably had four or five uh, advancement directors in the last you know, 25 years or so. But uh, a couple years ago, we were, we're, there were some changes going on. And the president at that time, who was a, a graduate of the school, who I knew, knew fairly well, had, uh, we had met several times. He asked me to consider uh, making a, a different trajectory a little bit. And uh coming over and working with the advancement office and taking on some other other responsibilities, so um you know it was something uh, different to try i you know I always tell people my experience in fundraising prior to coming over here was uh, you know I bought a couple of raffle tickets uh, <laughs> and I never won anything but um he he thought he was a, a a guy who had a lot of experience in the business world, and he just thought i I might be a good fit for the job and gave me a great opportunity to to uh to to switch switch sides of the corridors. And uh, come over and run the advancement office. Were you at all hesitant to to make uh, that? Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was different. Yeah, you know, like like hey, the math the math world. Uh, yeah, I know I'm a pretty good. I like to think I'm a pretty good math teacher. Even as being an assistant principal, what helped me a lot as assistant principal because I think sometimes when you're an administration position, people think administrators know nothing. They just go, oh, they're an administrator. But <laughs> uh, but being a having a long record as a teacher what really helped me on the, on that that side of the coin was that. Uh, People already knew who I was. I had a little bit of a reputation for for being a good teacher, knowing what I was doing. So, people didn't. I, I think we had good discussions with people, but people kind of said, "Hey, Mr. Baker thinks this is the way we should go. We might maybe we should go this way." Coming over to advancement, like I have no no real background. I've got to got to build a reputation. I've got to. Uh, figure out how to see if we can't get some things done to help the school. And so it was a little bit uh, nerve wracking because the comfort level wasn't there that I had in the other positions.
1: So what did you do to sort of, um, you know, adapt to the learning curve there in advancement, begin to develop a strategy to help the program move forward?
2: Sure. That's, that is an awesome question. So I I tried to put into play things that had worked with me and the math world, the basketball world, being assistant principal. So um. I had always worked in settings that where we had teamwork was involved. Great math department, great basketball staffs. So, really tried to set the office as a, more of a head coach, assistant coach thing than a than a boss and subordinates. So, I tried to do that. We have always had a reputation at Calvert Hall, and certainly in those group math and the and the basketball program to be well organized. So, I said, hey, we're going to be well organized. We're going to be very professional, and uh, you know, start out with with uh, a very basic premise that we want people to like us. Right. You're going to like us. And I think that's you know, that doesn't always get you the money. But when people like you, that, that gets you moving in the right direction. And then also, we, I, I think we, we tried to be um, very much a, in that people are individuals and that you know us as individuals. So I really wanted my staff to be out in the community and integrate in the community so that people would know us as individuals and not, hey, those guys in the advancement office, you really don't know who we are. So as part of that, I like to call it integrated advancement. We wanted to try to make sure we were involved in the school on a daily basis besides just you know raising money. So I still teach one math class. Kids will come in and work with me pretty frequently. One of my assistants coaches soccers. Uh, another one of my assistants, the marketing director, runs a marketing program. One of my assistants works with robotics. So we wanted to make us our program much more where people would know us on an individual basis unless they thought of us as like kind of an obscure office. Nobody knows what we do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Could you sort of describe how your team is is staffed and set up? I know you, you just described very, very well sort of how you've, the strategy for deploying the yeah, team out sure. into the
2: school, but how are you set up? Well, I mean, I think this might be controversial, I'm not sure, but uh, we kind of eliminate a lot of titles. You know, a lot of schools will have the donor recognition person, the alumni of this person, and that person. And that doesn't mean that people's jobs aren't well defined, but I really want to Really encourage that team play. So um, basically, you know, for the most part, we'll, we'll have projects and people will be assigned projects. We kind of work of it from a project point of view. My one assistant is really the guy that the, the, the annual giving campaign we call the Hall Fund. He moves that, he runs that, but he does other things, reunions, etc. One of my assistants is really the producer of the gala. We have a gala every other year, so one of her roles is to be producer of the gala. But at the same time, I want her doing other things, interacting with people different ways, and I want our donors to realize that they can contact us, have their contact touch people to be anybody they feel comfortable with, and it's not that they have to go to specific person A for project A, etc. So just trying to create that, that there's multiple tasks. We like to say there's lots of balls in the air all the time, and, but people have a sign that particularly balls they're working on, I do have one person who's dedicated to communications for the school and for advancement. But again, we all work together and, and she'll do things that are more on the advancement side than the communication side. And we have a, a database administrator who really is doing the hardcore entering, recognizing people, et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, thinking back to when you were getting, getting started as leading the team, you know, what were your re- recollections about that first big gift that you asked for yourself? And, um, sort of getting your, your sort of the nervousness out in terms of asking for money.
2: Yeah. That, I mean, that's truthfully, it's probably a, a weakness for me coming in was like, yeah, I'm not sure I'm gonna be great asking for money. So, um, you know, we had some good successes early, but I don't know if we've ever, you know, probably I've never yet, maybe four years in asked for the right number, you know, people, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to ask for a hundred dollars and somebody else say you should ask for 10 million. Well yeah million. I'm not there yet. Right. But I think, um, What's really helped me, too, is is knowing our donors, and that's one of the reasons I was brought over here, because I know a lot of people from either teaching them or their fathers or whatever, so I can easily be well conversant with people into the 1950s who have some sort of connection to me in some way, right? So I really work hard on that concept of uh, having a comfort level with the donor that the conversation is much much more natural, right? That it's not like, hey, I'm here to beat you out of something or take it away from me. I always tell people it's... Uh, people will say to you in advance, but sometimes what's your strategy for somebody, you know, and my, my response is it's not a strategy. I'm not, I'm not trying to take it from you. I want you to give it to me. So, um, but I, I probably still have to keep getting better at at reaching out to people and say, Hey, can you do 500,000? You know, because I'm, I'm pretty darn happy at 25,000. So I got to work on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. And it also makes sense that, you know, tons of people. And so I imagine that, um, people's comfort level interacting with you is, is really high and you're likely to have people say yes to your calls and you're and your answering your appointments. Did you ever find that
2: to not be the case in a surprising way as you were getting started? Uh, I don't, not, not too often. I think, I think what's neat is that um, people had, besides knowing I know them personally many times, but people have had good experiences at our school. So when we go out and do meet with people or set up events out of town or whatever, people will come out because they had good experience. And you'll see that from the guys from the 1950s up to the guys from 2017. I will tell you the thing that surprises me in the whole process. Now again, people give because it's a choice they make. I don't want I don't want to say they have to give to us but um, the surprising thing is that that we probably should have more based on people's experiences and how much they like the school. you would think we might have more donors. So I'm, I, I was a little surprised at the, at the beginning that some some guys that had awesome experiences I know well really haven't felt motivated, I guess. We haven't motivated them, I'd say, to, to give back to the school or, or from a financial point of view.
1: Yeah. Do you think that that's because their philanthropic inclinations are for their college alma mater or because they think that Calvert Hall has tons of money or, you know, it's just a sort of a personal choice?
2: Yeah, I think I, that's a good question. I don't, and I don't know. We're still trying to figure that out because, you know, again, if we rate... Things are based on enjoyment or, or positive feeling. It's certainly there. I think um, we need to do a better job of explaining how, how the money helps us, right? And what it does. Because, you know, it's not like the building's falling down. You're not going to walk around here and say, boy, this, you need a lot more uh, TVs or, or projections devices. Because I mean, we have them because we've been well managed financially and people have donated to help us and give back. I think one of the things we've also found that um, uh, in doing some research with our donors is that. We believe, truthfully, that every gift makes a difference. I think some people think that, hey, a gift of $25 doesn't make a big difference. So they're not as motivated to do that. They're thinking, hey, look, if I can't give Calvert Hall $1,000, you know, I'm not really helping that much. And truth, that's not true, as you know.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think it's just about telling the story as to how it helps. I think people, particularly a younger generation of folks, don't want to give to a sort of the black hole, right, of unrestricted gifts, right? They. They know it'll help, but uh it would be it's it's challenging to come up with philanthropic priorities sometimes. How would you describe how you've sort of have explained the philanthropic priorities of the school to your stakeholders?
2: Yeah, no, I think that's important so I think we've uh we've tried to make a use a vocabulary that's very consistent, so we talk about securing the futures of the institution, so uh, you know I, I like the fact that if I can Give the same message on a regular basis that people will learn the vocabulary the way we see it and it makes it easier for them to understand because, as you know, a lot of issues in the fundraising world are very technical, uh, restricted gifts, unrestricted gifts, et cetera. We try to explain it more like, you know, I like to use the phrase like today gifts, tomorrow gifts and forever gifts. So today, gifts, some money that you'll, you'll give us. We'll be able to spend right away tomorrow. gifts, kind of like the endowment point of view and then forever gifts to plan giving legacy gift. But I think if we can explain people how all those pieces go together, that's important. I've also tried to get really into nitty gritty like, you know, your gift, you know, last last month we we bought for our buses for our kids to go everywhere, you know, 200 gallons of gas. So when you give me three dollars and 50 cents, you bought a gallon and the boys aren't walking home. from where they're going. So you had to find some way to make it real for people. The same way I try to do that in math. That
1: makes sense. So let's let's talk a little bit more about your donors themselves. You know, last uh, week on the show, we had Emily Robin from the uh, American School of Paris. And she, you know, you guys are very different, at least I think, in that it's a much more of a transient population of American expats, but other expats from around Europe who are Going to the American School of Paris for a couple of years here, and then transferring. Did the majority of your students attend the school for all four years, and would you say you s- sort of um, have similarities to that to that American International School in any way?
2: I would say most of our guys are are here for four years. We'll get some transfers along the way, but we'll, you know it's a big tradition uh, at our school, and we we'll have a fair amount of guys who have had. Brothers go here, fathers go here, you know, so you've got generations going here, and we'll get, we'll get new guys too. But on the, on the afterwards, uh, you know our guys will be all, all across the country. So you know, we've got a good group of guys in Florida, We're in Atlanta, we've got guys in Chicago, a bunch of guys in California. So you'll, you'll see us across the country, so they kind of spread out from there. But starting here, it's kind of a, a home-based place, but we, we are lucky also in, in our metro area that kids will come pretty far to, to get here to go to school every day. Wow, and so um,
1: in terms of your donor base itself, is it made up largely of alums, or you have a lot of parents? I know, I know Emily last week was talking about you know it's just it's really about families and parents for them. I, but I imagine yeah, you yeah. guys have a lot more loyalty. Yeah, when it comes I, to I
2: would say I would say the large majority of our uh, support comes directly from alumni because there's just so many of them. You know, we're we're graduating. Uh, 250 275 guys a year we probably have thirteen thousand, you know uh living alumni something along those lines so a large majority of those donors uh we will get some good support from our parents but we for example you know the complicated world of fundraising um you know there's a parents club so they they'll do a lot of money raising opportunities on their own so we don't always deal directly with the parents but good play from grandparents good play from past parents but large majority of this stuff is coming from alumni
1: And can I ask you about your your participation rate, just to give a little context about how many uh, alumni are donors or what percentage?
2: Yeah, I would say a good class, you know, in terms of participation is going to push up to like 12, 15 percent. A lot of classes are probably more in that 8 to 10 percent range or something along those lines, which is certainly an area we got to try to keep trying to figure out.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about technology and communications. Obviously, AlmaBase is a, is a sponsor of our podcast. I know that um, you're a client of theirs. Can you talk a you little are. bit more about how you've used technology to help solve some of your advancement challenges?
2: Yeah, sure. So, just talk a bit about AlmaBase. Um, you know, we're a pretty big school and have a lot of good connections to communities, community so we would get guys uh coming to us and say hey can you hook us up with a spot I mean, um, an internship or who do we can talk to in a different field and certainly happy to do that but it was kind of like happenstance right so we thought hey if, if we could get more of an alumni database where guys could connect with each other guys could post internships jobs etc we'd be we'd be helping our people out and we started to work on that a little bit on our own uh, and try to get some interns to kind of put it together just decide that it was it was too involved for us to do that well on our own. So we reached out, did some search, and we came up with, with AlmaBase. And we're uh, very happy with that particular product because it's just another way to keep people connected to the school uh, long after they graduate, make connections between generations, et cetera. So we're still growing that. That's, that's been a great addition. On the other hand, uh, we've just really uh, jazzed up our uh, communication process over the last four years. Our director does a great job. We do a monthly alumni blast, e-blast, we do a monthly Friends of Calvert Hall e blast. We manage our, we aggressively manage our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter positions. And uh, she, uh, her name is Danielle, does a great job putting together campaigns. Uh, we advertise a little bit using those those vehicles. Last three years, we've done a single day of giving in May, and that is uh, the gifts for that have almost been all online gifts, and uh, just had a lot of fun with that, and really gotten people uh, connected to the school. Use. In technology. So uh, we're we we constantly trying to do that better. We live stream some of our sports events. We've established a YouTube channel position again, so people can see connections. Uh, this last year, one of our students did a uh, a weekly little three minute blurb on Calvert Hall that we would blast out through our different social media contacts, so that people could just kind of uh, get a, get a feel for different things that was going on. So just just trying to be very creative uh, and keeping people connected to the school.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, sort of speaking of connected, you've got an alumni association and at Longwood University, where I lead the the alumni team, I, I'm, I have a similar role as a liaison to the alumni association. But I do a lot more of the sort of operational components in terms of booking hotel rooms and planning, helping to plan the meetings. And can you talk a little bit more about um, your work with the alumni association and sort of the relationship between the Advancement Office and the Alumni Association?
2: The Alumni Association is, is kind of a separate group and uh, really a, a good bunch of guys who have been doing great work for the school for, for decades. And uh, we just try to be a, a support system for them. They have different events that they'll run during the year, et cetera. And, and we'll try to fill in where we can, pitch in, help out, et cetera, so that we can coordinate what we do together. We have a famous uh, football game that we play on thanksgiving day cheer called the turkey bowl against our arch rival will uh, high school and the night before that we have a great homecoming event at school 700 to 800 guys will come back and uh just a, just a great spirited event the alumni association runs that which is a awesome way to raise a little bit of money keep guys connected so uh there are good guys that, that we try to uh help them do their work and they've made some great gifts to the school yeah and so
1: that i, I was, you said that they're sort of separately operating and um how do you serve as a as a liaison? Do you participate in meetings? Do you in what ways do you try to help the
2: alumni association so, move forward? Correct. So we we part, we go to their meetings. We pitch into some of their some of their stuff, uh, the, the thing they're doing. We contribute to their to their things. They have a they've been having a communion mass the last couple of years. We the school actually uh, hosts the breakfast associates with that event. Uh, we also house their they have an administrative assistant. Uh, who is housed in, in my offices. So we're able to help her if she needs help, you know, selling tickets, et cetera. We, we fill in the gaps for them when they need it and uh, provide them technological support and, and uh, database support and all that kind of stuff.
1: Uh, and I was just, you know, looking at um, the Office of Advancement website for your team, and you had a really funny line in, in your sort of entry letter where you talk about the mysterious organization that is the Office of Advancement. And sort of the, the implication being there that um, the, the, the terminology and exactly what it is that you do are somewhat um, not all that common knowledge as far as um, perhaps the average person goes. And particularly students, I have to imagine. Do you have fundraising strategies for current students?
2: So that is correct. You know, trying to get people to understand what we do is very important. But our school does one major uh, student fundraiser a year. Uh, it's a magazine drive you think magazine drives have kind of gone the way on the side but we've really been very successful with it for over probably 30 years now and uh, so the last couple of years uh, since i've taken over the office when they do their initial it's really run by the student activities department but when they do their initial presentation i do a Uh, a presentation on what it means to support calvert hall and a little overview of hey here's guys that have supported calvert hall opposed here's a guy from the class of 39 supporting you every day so we do that connection with them i talk to the seniors a couple times a year about making a difference and making a contribution we did a a great thing at the end of this year i asked the seniors because we've you know schools as you know toy around with the senior gift or whatever and we kind of have avoided that a little bit so this year i I met with the seniors and said, hey, uh, for the senior gift, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to give me your time. I'd like you to come in the offices right the week before graduation. I want to make phone calls. To, I want you guys to make phone calls to the donors saying, hey, uh, I'm Joe Smith. I'm graduating from Calvert Hall this year. You've made a difference by supporting us. I just want to, I just want to give you a thank you call. And uh, that was awesome. The kids did a great job, but, but uh, it really engaged our donors because it's, it's just a great conversation to have. As soon as a student says, I'm graduating uh, this week, the donor says, hey, where are you going? And they get a good conversation going. So uh, we got great feedback on that. So we, we try to get the students involved a little bit uh, so they know who we are and what we're about. That's a
1: wonderful idea. I'm, I'm glad you tried that and you found success in doing that. I, I imagine alums would love hearing a thank you from graduating seniors. What's something that, you've, that you'd really love to do, a program or an event or an initiative or a piece of software even that... Um, that you haven't been able to, to deliver to the school yet, that you'd really love to, and, but it just sort of
2: escapes you, whether that's resources or uh, time or money? That's a really, really good question. I just think just consistently, getting the good, good techniques to consistently thank our donors. I think we're thankful guys, and, and we do a good job of being thankful, but I just, sometimes I feel like we're, we're just not consistent enough about it. We don't have a good enough routine with that. I think that's one thing. The second thing is... Um, you know, we are a small shop, our database management, I think it's pretty good, but trying to make sure all the information is correct, and we're putting as much information that is useful for us now and in the future into our database and consistently getting that right. I think we could do a better job with that and, and find we need some better strategies to do that too.
1: Yeah, I think data and data management is something that all advancement teams are challenged to figure Absolutely. out how to do it, how to do it well. You know, let's let's look out a little bit into the into the future. What are some of the, in the when your tenure as chief advancement officer has has been completed? What are some of the things that you'd love to accomplish?
2: Well, I'm hoping that we can uh, continue to support the school. You know, grow giving a little bit, and I hope people have a good understanding of, of what we try to do in the office of advancement, and and uh, you know, keep that that good feeling about Calvert Hall is is a way of giving back and, and encouraging people to give back. So I, I'm hoping that uh, well, we're done, uh, and I'm done in this position, that we've built an identity, because I think it's important to me, that and people appreciate that identity, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I think there's so many different structures and shapes and sizes when it comes to private you know, high schools, like Calvert Hall. I, I worked at a school called Fishburn Military School, which was a private sure. military boarding school, where, but the majority of the students didn't actually want to be there. Yeah, right, right. It's sort of the complete, maybe the complete opposite to Calvert Hall where students, you know, it's perhaps a legacy situation or perhaps it's um, something that everyone's strived to do and students are thrilled to to be there. What would you say are, are some of the chief challenges that you try to overcome as a result of being a small team?
2: Just getting everything done. There's a lot of things we do and just trying to get all those things done effectively. So, We've had some good success in recent years with our alumni reunions, but we are spending a lot of time on that, you know. And and they're good, and they and they do some good, uh, give good results to the school. But you know, we we manage a lot of events, uh, which probably takes away sometimes from those personal asks. We like those events because they build a the good feeling, and they and they're very important and make a difference. But I mean, there's a lot going on, and uh, trying to get all those things done is hard. And, it, and that's where you. You, you, some things probably get left on the side of the road just because you, you just can't get to them.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, I think across you know the education spectrum, w- what we're doing with events, how many to have and, and how much to spend on them is sort of an ongoing challenge, ongoing question.
0: What
2: keeps you up at night when you're thinking about work? Well, I, I think uh, I, know I have a good time doing this. I, we, we're just constantly hoping that That we we continue to do a good job, but now I'll give you a a good example. Now is uh, we're looking probably the next six months to move to a capital campaign, which I think is appropriate, and I think we'll we'll do well with it. But uh, I'm a little nervous. This will be the first capital campaign that that I work through, and um, I'm a little concerned that you know we'll see how that goes. What makes you the most nervous about that
1: setting setting a goal?
2: No, I mean, and we're, we're we're working with a great consulting team to help us, so I feel good about the process. But it is, you know, in the classic capital campaign, the table of gifts, you, you know, if you really, really want to make the goal, you're going to have to match the table of gifts pretty, pretty accurately. So we're hoping we can, you know, really uh, be fortunate enough to have those people make some of those generous leadership gifts uh, that'll get us going in the right direction.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. Joe Baker, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was an honor to have the chance to to speak with you. And good luck with all your work at uh, Calvert Hall.
2: No, Hey, Ryan, it's a great, great opportunity. I, I appreciate talking to you. Well done on the show. Good luck with it yourself.
1: Thanks for listening to Advancement Legends. If you know someone that might enjoy the podcast, please do share it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or however you get the word out to your network. I'll be back again next week with another edition of the podcast.